Well, hello, everybody, wherever you are right now. I know most of you are online somewhere, uh, maybe in this Dallas area or some other part of the country or different parts of the world, wherever you are. I'm really, really glad you're with us because it's a really significant weekend, a unique weekend for a number of ways. In fact, I've written them all down. It's pretty crazy. For one, we did Pink Floyd, which is always a good thing. We don't always do that. So that's good. Um, I remember meeting somebody for the first time who said you had me at Pink Floyd. It's part of how he came to know God. Another time we did it. Uh, Also today, you'll notice there's a different service order than typical uh, just because we're trying them out for what works online. And so if you're wondering, hey, why aren't we doing any worship music yet? And I really want that. You're going to be fine. It's just going to be later in the service. Also, this weekend is regather weekend where uh, at all of our physical locations uh, at our campuses, we're regathering kids zone, the whole deal. So if you live in the area and feel comfortable, I know this is all different with the pandemic and everything. But when you feel comfortable, uh, it's regather time and look forward to seeing everybody. Um, also, extra hour of sleep this weekend, Halloween this weekend, my birthday this weekend. Uh, and uh, well, that's nice. And then later in the week, there's this I hear there's some kind of election or something going on and which is obviously significant. We'll talk about that. Pray for that uh, in a little bit. And then uh, and then next weekend is here for good weekend, which is a really, really big deal. It will set the course of the of the life of our church for the next couple years. And it'll be really, really important if you are a Chase Oak or even if you're wondering what we're all about. It'd be great to be there. Uh, But make sure that you either watch. Or show up at one of our locations next weekend as a don't miss weekend because it'll take all of us in order to take this step together and pull these things off together with the belief that God has in front of us as a church to impact our community. So don't miss this next weekend. Now, today we're continuing this series that Ryan did a great job uh, starting out last week called Love Like Jesus. And we're doing this series for a couple of reasons. One is I felt like. We needed a, a major injection of Jesus into our lives in this season that we're in, in this cultural moment that we're in. It's so nuts and so crazy, just like we could use some Jesus, right? And so just to recenter who we are and what we're about. And so we, I wanted to spend some time in the life of Jesus. And then secondly, um, now more than ever, it's always important, but now more than ever, I believe it's important to... Uh, to learn to love like Jesus and to actually be the people that God has called us to be, uh, because that's what separates us from everybody else. At least that's what should. I mean, you, you shout out to me. I'm going to give you some word association. So I'll say something and you can shout out what you think about it. So Chick-fil-A. OK, that's awesomeness, right? Just awesomeness. Dallas Cowboys. OK, disappointment. Right. It's just that's what that is. Uh, but if I said Christian, right, I don't know what you would say, depending on what your experience is. Ryan talked about that some last week, but I know what we should be able to say. What anybody in the world, whether they are a Christian or not, or believe anything about Jesus or not, is the first thing they should think about when they think about Christian is love. No matter, they may say, hey, they believe some funky things or whatever, but wow, those people love people because that's the one thing that Jesus said. This is how people know that you're legit, that you're my disciples. This is your trademark. This is your calling card. And that is to love. And with a unique kind of love, a Jesus kind of love. He said, love like you've seen me love. That's the new command. 
That's what should differentiate you. We just heard the Pink Floyd song, No More Turning Away. When they think of Christians, people should think they're the people of the no turning away. They're the people who move toward need, toward darkness, toward hopelessness, with light and with love. And that's who we're called to be. But that's a pretty tall order when you think about it, right? Because Jesus didn't say, and this would be easy if he said, hey, I want you to love like this dude that'll be born 2000 years later named Jeff. Love like Jeff loves. You'd be like, okay, (laughs) you know, challenge me next time. But if you said love like Jesus loves, which is what he said, well, that you take the bar all the way to Jesus. That's a that's a really high bar. And so then you say, well, that's a little intimidating. Like, how could I how could I possibly do that? And, um, you know, I mean, you know, love like Jesus. I mean, he's God. He gave his life. All that. But what we're going to see in this series is that. Each week, we're going to see different ways that you and I can actually pull this off. He wouldn't have told us to do it if we couldn't, and he will empower it. And by the end of today, you're going to see, you know what? This is something that I can do. Um, it's, we're going to see a pattern in the life of Jesus that is, is simple. It's not always easy, but it's actually simple to do. It's what made him different as he lived through his days. Uh, we're just going to see this pattern in a little story in Luke chapter seven. And by the end of today, you and I are going to be able to say, you know what? I could do that. I really could. And if we did, our life would be way more impactful. Our life would be way more joyful. And we'd be able to look back at the end of our lives with exponential impact compared to if we don't do this simple thing, this simple little pattern. So we're going to look at it today. First, I do need to show you this. Um, I, I became, you know, we became grandparents and this week, another big thing this week is, uh, we got to meet our little grandbaby Eden and there she is. And I know I'm biased, but she is the most amazing little girl ever. And, uh, and we're really excited about that. And, and I'm sure, you know, I now understand why grandparents show grandparent kid, you know, baby pictures and stuff like that. I won't do that always, but let's talk about Jesus. So. When we talk about love like Jesus, we're going to look at a little story to see this pattern. And again, by the end of this week, you're going to be, by the end of this sermon, you'll be like, I could do that. But first, we're going to see it in a story. I could have picked a lot of stories, but this one in Luke 7:11. Some of you work for 7:11. Here we go. Luke 7:11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. Nain was just tiny little village. The crowd that was with him was probably bigger than the population of the village. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. So as they're coming in, a funeral procession is coming out. And this was a particularly sad one because this is a widow, somebody who's already lost her husband at some point. And now she has one child, one son, and she loses her child. And it should never be that way. Some of you experience, have experienced that. My mom. You know, I, I think of when I read that she's a widow. She, we lost our dad or my dad, her husband a couple of years ago, my brother just a few weeks ago. And that's always a tragic thing. And some of you have experienced that. And I'm so sorry if you've ever had to lose a child or grieve a, the loss of a child. In this case, 2000 years ago, even more significantly difficult, because 2000 years ago, if you were a widow, you were destitute. Widows couldn't own property. They couldn't own land. They were, if, if you didn't have some kind of male attached to you, 
then you were in bad shape. And for her, at least she had her son until now. And now her whole life is being turned upside down in a major way. And when the Lord, when Jesus saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Everybody else coming in is just, you know, the crowd and all that. They're just coming into the town. They see the procession, but they're not really keying in. Um, I mean, they were looking at, hey, is there going to be a Chick-fil-A in this town? Is there going to be a Whataburger or Taco Bell, something, right? They're hungry. But Jesus instead allows, and we're going to see what this pattern is, but he's going to stop and he's going to interact and he's going to be interrupted. And notice what he says, because she's crying, don't cry. And which is a little bit funny to me, because I think every man, I think God just put this in us, that every man has this something in our brain or something that is really uncomfortable when you women cry. It's like, uh, it's, it's really not fair that, you know, because, and some of you know that, and you probably use it, you work it, you know, if you really want something, if you start crying, then all of a sudden we're like, okay, whatever. You know, if you want to watch Lifetime instead of ESPN, I'm sure it's going to be better than, you know, football. I, I, you know, love, you know, whatever. And, and you sing, man, whatever you want, honey, I'll, I'll, you know, do that. I think one of those three, at least I don't handle crying very well. I know, um, I think that's probably one of the reasons that God um, gave me, was gracious enough to give me two sons instead of daughters, because I think I would have been hopeless uh, to say no, especially if they started crying. But with my two boys, it was always so easy, like if they were crying to get something, be like, well, let me know how long you're going to do that, because that's not going to work. Right. I mean, with boys, it was just easy. I don't think it'd be that easy with girls. Now that I have Eden, uh, we have a grandbaby. Uh, that's going to be impossible to say no to her, certainly if she ever cries. And so Jesus is like, don't cry because he's going to do something. And here's what he does. Then he went up and touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still because it was really rare to touch a coffin. Uh, it was considered in their culture. There were a lot of taboos about that. So it definitely got people's attention. But this even more so, he said, young man, I say to you, he talks to the dead person, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to his people. Now, that's a funeral you wouldn't forget, right? I mean, any the best way to ruin a good funeral is a resurrection. I mean, that's pretty cool. And uh, and, and I've, I've seen some pretty crazy things at funerals. I've heard about even more crazy things at funerals like uh, I heard one guy one time pastor talk about how he was uh, doing a graveside service, you know, where you, they lower the body into the ground, the casket into the ground. And then they're, you know, doing their stuff. And he fell in to the he fell into the grave, which was awkward, you know, more than awkward. Um, another one I heard about was a, a funeral. And right at the beginning, they they raised the lid, you know, to see the person. And when they did, it's the wrong person. It was like not even the right person. They're like, huh. Somebody, you know, somebody's like, my bad, you know, whatever. I don't know what happened or who got fired there. Um, another one I heard about was uh, was outside and they let a dove go, you know, to symbolize, I guess, the spirit, you know, going up of that person going up to heaven. And they let this dove go. And there was a hawk that was flying around and grabbed the dove and tore it apart. And they're like, yeah, we don't just act like that didn't happen. You know, we don't know. That doesn't mean anything. We're good, you know, and all that. So there's some crazy things that can happen at funerals, but. I mean, that's a crazy funeral, right? Where it ends with a resurrection. Doesn't get any better than that. Now, that little story, right, is a great Jesus story. Changed this person's life, 
you know, for the rest of her life. And certainly this guy, and I'm sure they became, you know, believers in Jesus and are in heaven and all that. So really impacted their life. And it's really cool to see, wow, it'd be great to be Jesus, right? But what we're going to see is this little pattern in the story. And it's a pattern that he just went through his life all the time. And like I said, if you and I do this and we can, this is very doable. It's simple. It's not always easy because it's disruptive, but it's simple to understand. It's very, you know, God will help us do it. And the little formula we're going to see is see, feel, act. SFA, Stephen F. Austin. SFA, see, feel, act. Let's go back through it and then we'll illustrate it and then talk about how we can do it. The first is C, to choose to live with your eyes wide open. That's what Jesus did. So when the Lord saw her. So everybody else going into the village, like I said, they were just saying, oh, is it going to be a Whataburger or, you know, whatever. They're going to the village. They see the funeral, but they just look past the widow. But Jesus chooses to live differently. And this is part of what separates a Jesus kind of person from everybody else. And that is the ability, the choice to live with eyes open, to not just look past need, not just look past things, not to be unaware, but to choose to be aware, to choose to see. And so much so that he stops and he looks into her heart. He sees her. Now, that's not an easy way to live, but it's a very powerful way to live. It's a way to start of just being aware of what's going on around and being willing to stop and see but it's easier not to, right? It's easier just to be busy going through our day. And even if you say to somebody, hey, how you doing? And they're like, well, you know, I've had better days. You're like, yeah, tell me about it. You know, hang in there. And we move on as opposed to seeing and saying, hey, wait a minute. Tell me about that. You know, what, what do you mean by that? What's going on? Or if, if you're at work or at school or in your home to choose to be a person who sees to say, to be willing to stop and be disrupted, to say, you know what, um, how are you doing really? Or when you notice somebody's just a little bit off or, hey, is there something I can pray about? Or is there something that's going on? Same way choosing to live in this world. You and I can live in our community and be pretty unaware of the needs in our community. It's easy to do that, right? Because you're like, hey, I got my own problems. I know people got problems, but I got my problems. And I, you know, I'm pretty you know, overwhelmed with my problems, so I can't really worry about other problems. I understand that. That's just not a Jesus way to live. Now, sometimes problems are so great, you can't help it. I mean, you're just, you know, there are moments like that. There are seasons like that. And I think that's okay. But most of the time, it's not like that. Where we really do have some margin to be able to live in our community, to live in our world. And I believe Jesus followers should be the most aware people on the planet of what's going on and what issues people are facing globally and how we can pray about that and think about that locally, how we can pray about that, think about that, be involved in that. In fact, next weekend here for good weekend, you're going to hear about a number of ways we believe God has put in front of our church uh, to move into need that are new and that are really powerful just because we've been through a process of growing in awareness during COVID and like, okay, we, we're going to do something. But it starts with seeing, choosing to be aware. But it doesn't stop there. The next step is to feel, to allow your heart to be broken. So it's when the Lord saw her, that's the first stage, his heart went out to her. He felt in fact, the, in, in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek, literally, it's very different from that. And there's reasons sometimes that translators from Greek into English don't aren't overly literal. And this is one of them. 
because in Greek culture, in Hebrew culture, it wasn't the heart was not the center of emotion. Like that's our, you know, that's the way this is trained. His heart went out to her. And we do that, right? We send little heart emojis. We could say, if you say, I heart you, then, you know, draw a little heart. People know what that means. At Valentine's, you give a little heart thing, all that, because we see the heart as kind of symbolically the seat of emotion. But back in Jesus's day, 2000 years ago, it wasn't the heart. It was the gut or the intestines or the bowels, as the King James uh, says it. And can you imagine a little intestine emoji? You know, I intestine you. But that's the way it was. So if you were going to literally translate this, this is how you would translate it. His bowels were moved. Which is a totally different thing. You're you're like, you shouldn't talk about Jesus that way. He didn't do that. And he did. But that's not what happened. Okay, so. He didn't have a bowel movement. He had a heart movement the way we would say it. So this is one of those times you should be thankful when they don't translate it overly, literally. And the way they translate it here, his heart went out to her, is perfect. Because he allowed his heart to be broken. He took on her pain. He, He took on her problem as his problem. He felt it. Which is more disruptive than just seeing, right? When all of a sudden you're just broken by it. And, uh, and, and that's empathy, right? It's, it's not just hearing about it, not just seeing something, but allowing it to break your heart and, and just start feeling where you take that on as yourself. You take the pain, you take the grief, you take the anger, you take the confusion, you take the anxiety, all that on your own. And that's powerful. Empathy is powerful. Now, it's not yet compassion. It's on the way to compassion. But there's a difference between empathy and compassion. So a lot of times people say, oh, I'm so compassionate. Like whenever I, I watch TV and they do those commercials where the dogs or cats have been abused and, and they're so sad and I just so compassionate, I can't, I just have to turn the channel because I start crying because I'm so compassionate. I said, well, that's not compassion. That's empathy. And it's cool. You're empathetic. But compassion means you don't change the channel without doing something. Compassion is an action. It's not just a, a feeling. A feeling's important because it motivates us to action. But compassion says, no, I'm, I'm not just going to feel bad. I'm going to do something. I'm going to act. I'm going to do what I can. Now, if you're Jesus being God, you can do a lot, right? Do what you can. That's a big category for Jesus. You can do things like what he did, right? He saw her, his heart went out to her. He went up and touched the coffin, raises this guy from the dead. So when you're Jesus, there's a whole lot you can do. And you and I might look at that story and say, well, okay, I can't do that. And you're right. I mean, God could enable you to do Something like raise somebody from the dead. It's happened. But I wouldn't count on that. I don't I don't. That's not typical. That's not normal. Again, God can do whatever he wants. So you and I can't do everything Jesus did, but we can do way more than we think, because if you have a relationship with Jesus and we'll talk about that later, what that means, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then he empowers you or he wants to empower you to be his hands and feet, to love people in ways that you would not be able to otherwise to give you strength, to give you wisdom to give you the umph, to not just be preoccupied with your own life, but to move into need. And meaning you and I can do a lot more than we think. But see, feel, act. You and I can do this. It would, it would change the way we go through our day when we go home after work with see, feel, act. When we're at work or at school. When we're at lunch with somebody. When we're just driving through the, neighbor, the community. When we're living in this world and we see the new whatever to see, feel, act. 
Let me illustrate it and then we'll talk about how to apply it. So years ago as a church, we um, 12 years ago now, we started this big project in northern Ethiopia in one of the poorest parts of the world. And uh, and we no longer have it as an active project because two years ago as a 10 year project. It became economically self-sustaining because when we do these global projects, we don't want to just create dependency on us. We give money to meet needs, but also give money to uh, develop uh, income generation ways so that the project leaders can be self-supporting. And so it's really cool. There's a couple of hundred churches that have started because of that project who are serving the poorest of the poor. There are widow care centers. There's a school for blind kids. There's a, a large, very large school to educate people, help get them out of poverty. And all of it's self-sustaining now. So we were able to kind of step away a little bit two years ago from that. But 12 years ago, when we went for the first time, it's just one of those moments that was life-changing for me. So we're at this widow care center that had just started that we ended up adopting as one part of the project. And in Ethiopia, in this part of Ethiopia, it's very similar to 2000 years ago. If you're a widow, that's not a good thing. And it's, it's they're out on the street and destitute and it's really difficult. And so um, this was an opportunity to it was a center, uh, this big room that's very clean and these widows would come from off the street and uh, and they helped them with some simple housing and stuff, too. But they would come in and be treated with such dignity and get uh, they would have food, two meals a day, uh, medical care, that kind of thing. And so there were 50 of these ladies uh, all sitting on the floor at that time and with their backs against the wall. So it was this big room, 50 ladies there. And Worku, who's the project leader, Ethiopian guy, just really, really godly guy. Um, he says, OK, so we're going to you and, you know, the team, we're going to go and we're going to greet each one of these widows. Look them in the eye, greet them, let them let them feel, you know, love from us. And uh, and and I'll start and then you follow me. And then right before he started, he looked over at me and he said, oh, by the way, some of these ladies have leprosy. And then he starts and I'm like. What? <laughs> like, and he's going. And so I just look up to God and, and some of our team members first, too. I was like, did he say leprosy? And I, I look up at God. And I was like, God, leprosy? I'm like, in leprosy, like, in that people had to be away because they're so contagious and, like, body parts start falling off. And, like, I don't have spare parts. I wasn't made by Ikea. Like, I was made by God, and every part I have, I kind of want. You know, I don't, there's no thing of, like, yeah, that can go. I mean, I want all my parts. And so I was starting to freak out a little bit and thinking, what am I going to do? Like, if I... You know, am I going to get leprosy? I mean, it's great being nice to these ladies, but I don't want leprosy. And, and I'm already thoughts are going through my mind. Like, how am I going to play golf without arms and like, all this stuff, like crazy stuff going on in my head. And but I did have a uh, a little bottle of hand sanitizer. So I was thinking, OK, God, I got that. So after each lady, I can figure out a discreet way to kind of, you know, get the leprosy off or do whatever it is. And I thought, no, that's not going to I mean, how do you how does that illustrate compassion? Like every time you're, you're so gross, I've got to sanitize. So, um, so I, anyway, so I, all that's going through my head is I just start trying to get through it. Like these, you know, just a few ladies to get started. And Worku is in, in, ahead of me. And I had stalled a little bit, so he was ahead of me. But he's take, starting to take a long time. And so I, I caught up to him pretty quickly because he's reaching down and also kissing these ladies on the cheek. I didn't do that. Um, but that's part of their culture. And what I saw really changed me forever. Because he wasn't just getting through these ladies. He was 
seeing, not just looking at them, but seeing them into their soul. And they knew it. Not only that, he was feeling, because as he was looking at them, tears were streaming down his eyes. And they felt that. So much so, they began to share their stories with him and their struggles with him. And then act. I mean, we were going to help them, and we did, with food and medical care and other things, housing. But just the act of a warm greeting, treating them with dignity, treating them with love, touching them, because most of these ladies, that just didn't happen to them. That in itself was a powerful act of compassion. And I'm seeing somebody who's loving like Jesus. And I was like, okay, God, that's what I want to do. God, help me live like that. Let me do that. And for the rest of those ladies, I was like, you know what? God, I'm just going to trust you on this leprosy thing, but I'm going to love like you would love them. And I did. And, and I will say, I hate to admit this, but after the 50, I went around the corner with my hand sanitizer, took a little hand sanitizer bath because I still didn't want things falling off. But I think about that all the time. It marked me, changed me, right? To say, how could I be more like Jesus? And, and, it's, and you and I can do this. Like, imagine what it would be like if you went home, like I said, after work or school or whatever, or or you went to work, or you went to school if you're a student, or wherever you are, as we just go through life, eating lunch with people, dinner with people, whatever, and say, you know what, I'm going to do the C-Feel Act. Again, SFA, Stephen F. Austin, C-Feel Act. I'm going to challenge you to do it for one week, just this week, to say, you know what, I want to, everywhere I go, God, help me see, feel, act. And, and when I ask somebody, how are you doing, not just to squirt, you know, let that go, but to really stop. And say, I really want to see what I need to see and hear what I need to hear. And heart open to be broken. And then a commitment to say, I mean, I can't do everything, but I can do something and to do that something. And I promise you, if you and I just begin to have this as a pattern in our life every day, like it was for Jesus, we'd have all these stories like Jesus had all these stories. And we may not be raising people from the dead, but we would be lifting people up. We'd be changing lives. We'd, be, we'd have more joy than we ever dreamed. We'd have more impact than we ever dreamed if we just simply love like Jesus this way. See, feel, act. So let's try it this week. Every day, everywhere we go, see, feel, act. Next week and here for good, we're going to talk about what does this mean for us as a church to be this kind of church. A, not just a here for me church, but a here for others church, a here for good church in our community. And what is God calling us to do? Because it is so easy right now to be so overwhelmed with our own issues and our own needs and our own angst that we don't do this. But Jesus people do this and say, God, help me set aside myself and be a here for others, here for good person and see, feel, act. Now, we're going to pray that God will help us do that. And I believe he will. And we're also going to open up. We're going to talk about what it means and give you the opportunity in this prayer moment to begin a relationship with Jesus because he loves you more than you can imagine. He gave his life for you on the cross so that you, you could be forgiven from sin. It's not about being good enough for God. That's not how you grow a relationship with God because we can't be good enough for God. He came here to sacrifice his life to take the penalty on the cross for your sin and my sin. 
He opens up a door not only for forgiveness forever and life with him forever, but he wants to change our lives now and use us now as his hands and feet on this broken planet. And then I want to pray for Tuesday because we do have an election. And there's a a verse, a a psalm in the Bible that I I want you to just memorize or in however, wherever, you know, way you tilt on this. Because some of you are, you know, I don't know when we're going to know the results of the election. But whenever we do, some of you are going to be relieved. Some of you excited. Some of you may be a little overexcited. Some of you are going to be devastated. Some of you are going to be really angry or really sad or really whatever, really angsty. In whichever way it is, I just want you to think about this verse. It's very simple. God just said, be still and know that I am God. Or be still and know that God is God. And if you start getting a little overexcited, oh man, this is great. We got just be still and know that God is God. If you get a little anxious or a lot anxious or angry, oh no, our country's you know it's going to go the wrong way. It's there, you know, and you get all all upset. Be still and know that God is God, because God is on the throne of the world and he's not up for re-election, never has been, never will be. And he's working out his plan and he's the one that raises up leaders and takes leaders down. It's ultimately his thing that's going to happen. Ultimately, he wins. And we're about building his kingdom on this planet. We're about bringing bringing in his his loving righteousness to bear on this planet. That's our preoccupation. And so therefore, if you get whether a little bit, you know, carried away either way, if you know, a little excited or a little unexcited, be still and know that God is God. That's where our hope is not in whoever wins whatever election, whatever country in any given point of time, God is God and he's good and he's going to work out his plan and nothing can foil it. Nothing can change it. So with that, let's pray. And I'm going to invite you, first of all, just to realize, open yourself up to the love of Jesus for you. He loves you more than you can imagine. And I don't know who you are, what you've done, or thinking, man, you don't know what I've done. Or what Jesus does, and we're all messed up. There's nobody listening right now. That's We're all in the same boat. And some of you are like, oh, you don't know. Yeah, we're all in the same boat. And that's why Jesus came. And he gave his life for you. He took the justice, just penalty of God on himself. So you and I would never have to know his judgment. And he offers forgiveness by grace as a gift, the Bible says. And you just say, if you become a, to know him and to have him come into your life, you just say, yes, God, thank you. You've done it all. And now come into my life and change me and use me in this world. That's what it means to begin a relationship with God. And he calls us to be the kind of people who love like Jesus. So just say, God, help me love that way. I'm going to ask all of us, wherever you're at with God, just to say, God, would you help me this week to actually live this way, to see, feel, act everywhere I go. Start out my day, just pray that simple prayer. God, help me see, feel, and act. God, don't let me drive through my community. Don't let me go into a meeting. Don't let me go into a lunch. Don't let me be at school, at work, or home without see, feel, act on my mind and heart. And use me this week to love people the way you love them. 
And Father, we also pray with this election in mind. Um, Father, I thank you that you're God and you're good and you're in control and there's nothing that can change any of that. And, uh, and Father, I, I thank you for everybody who's involved in politics and you're using them and it's great. But ultimately we know that we can be still and know that you are God. And if we get overly excited or overly anxious, just help us this week to remember to be still and know that you are God and to love each other. And no matter how we vote, uh, because we're all on the same team, ultimately, in Jesus name. Amen.